The bananas and carrots we eat today are GMO. Bananas used to be filled with these huge seeds. Welcome to the Diary of a Researcher, where we unearth controversies, discoveries, and address the uncomfortable topics. Whether you're in academia or industry, professor or student, these are the things worth knowing to give you that slight edge in your field. I am your host, Matthew O'Neill. Organic and non-GMO foods, twice the price, so they've got to be better, right? Today I'm joined by Dr. Sammy, co-founder and CEO of Publit. Hi everyone. Okay, GMO and organic. Firstly, can you tell us more about each? Often it is used interchangeably and I learned that that is not the case. Yeah, GMO and organic are two different classes. Classing them together is counterproductive. GMOs or genetically modified organisms, you insert, remove or substitute genes for a desirable trait such as nutrients, so more vitamin A or resistance to insects so you don't have to use pesticides as often or not at all or even resistance to drought and flood so you can still feed people in times of calamities. And they use the machinery of bacteria and not the genes and now you have improved technology that they won't even be using bacteria. And then you have organic which means the product meets specific standards related to pesticides, fertilizers, hormones and antibiotics. And these standards vary from country to country. For some, it means that you have not used a particular chemical in the last three years and or below a certain threshold. So it can still have a chemical, but not enough to have a cumulative effect. The interchangeable thing is understandable because they have included non-GMO under organic and confused everyone because GMOs can also be organic. When did all this start? So humans have been genetically modifying organisms for over 3,000 years, not in the labs, but our ancestors were capable of directly manipulating DNA that long ago. And how did they do it? And how have GMOs become such a popular topic? They use selective breeding or artificial selection. For example, when canines started to be domesticated, they resembled wild wolves. They joined hunters as scavengers and they selectively bred them so much that you now have chihuahuas and corgis. A chihuahua doesn't look like a wolf at all. At least with GMOs, the tomatoes still look like a tomato, but on the inside, it's more nutritious. Plants like wheat and corn have been manipulated specifically um, artificially selected. Millennia ago, they were just wild grass. Similar processes have given us large heads of broccoli, banana with nearly unnoticeable seeds, sweet juicy apples. Current conversations regarding GMOs refer to a much more modern process. In the 1970s, it surfaced in the labs, controversy grew, the government got involved, and patents and policies started to take root. In the 1980s, the first drug was FDA approved, and in the 90s, crops were approved, and the latest was a gold species in 2009 for medicinal purposes. Although many species of animals have been genetically engineered, 
the vast majority of the technology is used for research purposes. To date, no GMO animals have been approved by the FDA for food production. I saw one blog about a genetically modified meat and I was like, I can't ever remember seeing that in the grocery or anywhere on the news. I'm going to have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they made a mistake. There is organic and non-organic meat and the non-GMO is often umbrellaed under organic. So perhaps they thought that there is um, GMO meat out there. So there is no GMO meat out there? As far as I know, no. 95% of the animals used for meat and dairy in the United States eat GMO crops, but they aren't GMO. Independent studies show no difference in how GMO and non-GMO foods affect the health and safety of animals. The DNA in GMO food does not transfer to the animal that eats it. It digests like all other DNA we eat. To begin with modifying, crops is already tough on its own in the lab. One micro concentration of a reagent and the whole experiment can fail. Somehow people think that they'll get some potato gene by eating a GMO sweet potato. Frankly, I wouldn't mind getting a gene that allows me to produce my own vitamin C. Just joking. Um, if this happens so easily in animals and humans, we'd use human molecular machinery, but it doesn't. Our molecular safety checks are so robust that it doesn't happen just so naturally. Why is it important to address this and that we speak about this? So recently I was watching Dragons Den and when Denver Meadon, one of the dragons, um, asked the contestant if his product was organic, he replied, yes, they are organic ingredients. And I was like, what a crock of bullshit. Thankfully, she didn't vest. First, he didn't answer the question. Being organic means all the ingredients are organic. You can't just throw one organic element and make this claim and with someone who doesn't have the right amount of understanding will buy into it and it's not only him but so many companies do it made with organic ingredients and they just lie by omission um one of my friends recently sent me a pic of a vegan gluten-free dairy-free coconut oil or another one was um gluten-free label mangoes these things never contain gluten to begin with, so it's getting kind of out of hand. Firstly, it's good to know and be educated on these things. It's the only way to combat misconceptions. The same thing happens with vaccines, which are more critical when it comes to saving humanity. The good thing about GMO or organic food is that there is no mandate and you have the freedom to choose. So it'll all be about you making the well-informed choice, not your health guru or a big organization with an agenda. Don't get me wrong, some health gurus know what they speak about, but others, they just regurgitate the NGO's words. Plus organic and non-GMO food is so expensive that given the current economic climate, it'll make you more comfortable with your spending choices. We want an informed, engaged and empowered public. What's your opinion on anti-GMO activism? There's nothing wrong about it once they ask the right question, especially the younger generations. And these questions hold everyone accountable. I think it's when you don't engage in a dialogue and start making claims without a foundation or research like it's unsafe 
It's unnatural. Why? I don't know. I, it just is. That's why organic court cases have not been so successful. In Canada, 20 years ago, organic farmers sued GMO producers over lost revenue. Australia, same thing. Not sure of the outcome in Canada, but in Australia, they found no basis for any of the claims of contamination and whatnot. Then you realize it's about revenue and they hide behind contamination claims, etc. It shouldn't be about revenue. This is about a food crisis, climate change and sustainability. Where do they get their information? I'm simply going to go with they make it up. There's no evidence, scientific or the other, to back it up. One retracted paper in 2012 claimed that rats, that AGMO corn led to monstrous tumors without showing photos of the control rats, which also likely developed the same tumors eating organic corn. In France, organic farming NGOs were asked why GMOs were banned from organic agriculture when there's nothing inherently dangerous about genetic engineering. They just said that it's not in line with the doctrine. Basically, transgenesis doesn't align with their ideology, but they aren't even consistent on this point. Organic farmers in some regions of France still cultivate varieties of barley and rice derived from biotechnologies. So whether these NGOs are ignorant or blinded by their ideology is unclear. It seems like they're driven by something else. Yes, revenue. They are utilizing a strategy based on fear and the normative concept of nature to make consumers pay more. Um, food evolution showed that many organic food advocates do not respect the evidence. It's sad because the consumers are relying on them to advocate for them, but ultimately they give higher respect for revenue. Basically, let's form an organization, slap on a label and make money. This is the ugly side of activism. NGOs exploit these institutions by publishing images of tomatoes with fish tails or telling the public that companies modify corn with scorpion DNA to make crispier cereals. Chipotle was the first restaurant chain to start doing non-GMO labels. They could be on a righteous track, but these companies are all about sales, so I'm doubtful this looks like a marketing tactic to me. And as you said, we need these activists to ask the right questions, keep the scientists accountable, and be the voice of the people or consumers. But how will anyone take them seriously if capitalists are exploiting them? Yeah, they just create so much collateral damage, impeding the development of crops that would help those the activists declared that they want to protect the poor. Okay, so evidence-wise, is it safe? Um, GMOs are safe. Countless studies have been done. There is no reliable evidence that GMO-derived food possesses health risk to humans. From the organic standpoint, if organic foods are genuinely pesticide-free, then they are safer. And I say this because studies show that 39% of organic foods still have pesticide residues in them. The difference between this and non-organic is not enough to cause any harm to the population. So reducing our exposure a little bit more in the case of purchasing organic food really isn't going to cause any appreciable health benefit. Yeah, it's the dose that makes the poison, and these organic advocates know how to exaggerate. 
yeah the basic arguments on if you have the maximum dose of these pesticides pesticides are harmful but we are far from the amount to be dangerous yeah and years ago on my facebook I saw this post about the dirty dozen food lists to avoid when shopping and to buy them organic and it was a list of expensive fruits and veg. Yeah, because some fruits and veggies they retain higher amounts of the toxins or don't get rid of them as fast as others, but as before, it's just a minute difference that scientists say might be greater harm in avoidance. That is not to say that pesticides pose no risk at all. The famous DDT from the 1930s was linked to birth defects and depleted biodiversity. This was mainly to field workers who spent most of their time exposed to the pesticide. Many were hospitalized, some died, little of their supplies to the average consumer because the remaining residues that make their way into our food have been repeatedly shown to have virtually no effect on health. And today farmers use fewer pesticides even the pesticides themselves are regulated to have low impact on human health even the ones that directly interact with them like the farmers So basically organic is not necessarily healthier No after someone analyzed around 240 studies about the nutritional value of organic the authors of a 2012 review concluded that There lacks strong evidence that organic food are significantly more nutritious than conventional food. The definition of healthier and health is different for everyone. And say for instance, the organic orange has more vitamin C than the non-organic one. Its contribution to health is the same because your body can only store a certain amount and it eliminates the rest. So just because something is organic, its actual contribution to your health is not worth the price. And are there any environmental risks? So pesticides, herbicides, and antibiotics are not suitable for the environment. We all agree on that one. Now, GMOs, which were supposed to be the solution to not relying on these chemicals, are struggling to be the solution. There are talks about pollen pollution, one field affecting the other or local varieties, but plots are too far to affect one another. They can, but it will happen naturally as it already does in nature. Again, this is a good question, very good for accountability. However, biotech is struggling to investigate this and other fields for biosafety because anti-GMO vandals keep destroying crops and property and there has even been violence against people. If you want answers, a solution, we need to study, not use violence. And scientists are still unsure if GMOs are better for the environment. We know it's not bad, but they at least demand fewer resources than organic crops. Oh wow, that's horrible. So you keep mentioning it's natural. Is it? In my mind, logically, yeah, it's horizontal gene transfer and plants and animals have been doing it through evolution. Butterflies and about 50 plant species including sweet potato, yam, and bananas. These organisms naturally transfer genes even their organic varieties. For plants, it is the same soil bacterium transfer DNA found in nature. There's no difference between a lab-made transgenic plant and one produced in nature. Like many other things, we bring it to the lab, we replicate it. Many of our vitamins and medications are synthetic versions of the natural ones. We are just able to finesse it, make it more specific. And the false narrative that they put at the forefront of their argument that genes are extracted from bacteria, firstly, not true. 
They just use the bacterial machinery. But what about all the medicine-grade drugs like antibiotics? We have vaccines, even the enzymes we use to make cheese that comes from engineered bacteria. Anti-GMO organizations are exaggerating those facts and making up stuff to make it appear as though we are mixing tomatoes and fishes. They think the genes come from the bacteria. No, it's either from the same crop or a different crop species. Not, not to go off topic, but who owns these plants and animals? That's a good one. Um, no one, basically. No one can own or patent them. I mean, people have been grafting crops in their gardens for centuries, mixing different breeds of dogs, and they create these weird crops and animals. You can name it if you want, but there's no ownership. I think if you made a gene construct, you can, but it doesn't prevent someone else from using it. You just, they just have to get your permission. Um, this also avoids monopolization. As mentioned, it can happen in nature too. Nature doesn't care about patents. Okay, yeah, thanks for that. So let's get back to the topic. And with animals eating so many GMO crops, can't studies be done with them to see how they affect the body? They have done tests to see if animals are affected. Um, they do not reveal any health problems related to long-term consumption of GMO foods. So, yeah, has been done. At which point does this whole scenario become counterproductive? From the beginning, it's just who wins the situations. Activists don't want to reason. The organic industry constitutes an integral part of the agro-industry as well. Yet the radical simplification of good versus bad agriculture makes the narrative so popular, whether it's fact or fiction. The result is a burdensome regulation. First, it was just about the labeling organic, non-organic, now it's more labeling for something that's not a threat. Despite solving for food hunger and chemical dependency, they oppose tomatoes that are richer in vitamin D. One in six people in the UK are deficient of vitamin D. That's reducing the rate of bone loss, cancer, and poor immunity. So they want to lift the ban this year in the UK to allow GMO foods, but the anti-GMOs are saying it's too hasty. What is? studies found it safe. Um, what is hasty is that as long as there is a fight, they stand to benefit from the revenue. Think about it. If there's no fight, one side wins, everything's organic and non-GMO, and they'd lose that revenue and position. We won't need labels anymore, so they're just fighting for fighting's sake. Who would suffer? Not only the poor, but everyone. Healthcare with more deficiencies, diseases, admissions, etc., Despite these benefits, despite decades of proof that GMOs don't affect anyone's health, the adverse hasty reactions continue. We have been consuming GMOs without knowing it. Small farmers and consumers are caught in the middle. It's not about choice. We have the choice, but it's limited. I would like the option to choose uh, a tomato-rich in vitamin D. My grandchildren might get that choice. So the talks about the government being hasty are so foolish because people still have a choice. You still get to slap your label on because there are GMO foods worldwide that took decades to normalize. You are just stalling innovation for personal agendas where people could be benefiting all now. So you just mentioned their hidden GMOs. So could you tell us what those are? It's GMOs from American imports. If you go out to a restaurant, you are not aware. Europe has been behind while America is ahead with GMO options and varieties. 
and we import products without knowing it. Chefs also like experimenting with exotic produce. You see these fancy food plating with rainbow-colored tomatoes and devour it. But since Brexit, the UK is making efforts to catch up with America. Plus, things that have been modified so long ago, we think it's not. So it's impossible to label everything because nature follows the same course. Modern plant breeding is implicitly present in everything we cultivate and eat today. And labels are highly misleading. The bananas and carrots we eat today are GMO. Bananas used to be filled with these huge seeds and carrots were originally purple. And these are just only two examples. Okay, yeah, that's a really interesting answer. And organic is usually much more expensive than GMO foods, but are they gentler on consumers and the environment? You pay for the license from an organization to fight against innovation and starve the poor. Um, it might be gentler for wealthy customers. GMO allows us to feed a growing population, adapt to fluctuating climates, reduce chemical use, and provide increased nutrition. I think everyone will benefit more from GMO foods. Okay, and this next question is, is a more of a tricky one. Um, what are your choices? Do you eat organic or do you eat GMO? I have both. Um, GMOs are fine with me. I know the science, it doesn't bother me. People usually fear what they don't understand. So I can understand people who are a bit hesitant. So in the supermarket, I don't choose organic if it's cheaper. I place priority on price, like many others out there who have families to feed. Sometimes it just comes down to eating regular label foods or starving. Um, organic is not an option, and this is where these activists miss the mark. They just need to make it affordable. When you ask these tomato soup people with the oil painting, None of them has ever paid a bill in their life. The cost of living is so high. All people are thinking about is how are they going to feed their families? These sustainable, healthier, greener options are not affordable to the majority. It's affordable to 1% or 5% right now. People's only choice is to keep their families warm and fed. These alternatives must be cheaper than our current option to even consider it. Wasting a can of tomato soup isn't going to get the majority who are struggling for food to sympathize with you. Anyways, um, I digress a bit. Also with organic, for me, I know it doesn't mean pesticide-free. Organic just means that it meets the standards set by these organizations, which is pretty low. They still allow natural pesticides or they can't have used synthetic fertilizers or pesticides for at least three years before they are harvested. But at the three years, does it mean it's pesticide-free? And as I said before, 39% of organic food out there still has pesticide residue. And this is alarming because this is the primary reason most people buy organic food. The pesticides have nothing to do with GMOs. Even I felt deceived. But yeah, it's so lovely to feel like I'm making a better choice. Um, hypocrite. <laughs> Even though when a non-organic reaches my plate... I know it's a tiny bit safer. I don't want field workers to die or make babies with defects so I can have cheaper food. GMOs would be cheaper and safer from farm to plate, but activists has made that difficult. I'm glad that they're now labeling GMO foods. It came into effect in America, January 2022. On the label, it says bioengineered, not GMO specifically. And it's a really nice label. I thought it would be a kind of deterrent label. But I saw the design and it's nice and I'd be happy that I have that choice now. 
I'd probably like organic to remove GMO under its umbrella so that I can choose something that is organic but also GMO. So yeah, I'm one of those consumers caught in the middle. Yeah, yeah that's really the thing. You, you don't want to have to stand on this side or that side or right wing or left wing or, you know, it's about finding out for yourself and standing where you want and also buying what's within your affordability. Yeah, regardless, some would rather stick to wrong things than get exiled from a group or disagree with their peers. Biotechnologist has explained that they have conclusively refuted all these falsehoods and still they don't want to recognize it. And it's okay, we are all social creatures deep down, you'll know. So I wonder why the anti-GMO myths persist. So a group of biotechnologists and philosophers hypothesized that negative portrayals of GMOs are intuitively appealing. The idea of introducing foreign genes in food, the researchers argue, it's not meddling with the characteristics of the organism that seems unnatural, it's more scientists playing God. Even in movies, they always portray scientists as the villain somehow. Um, the second argument from a psych perspective, they capture our attention, they are quickly processed and remembered and thus they stand a greater chance of being transmitted and becoming popular even if they are untrue. And therefore, many people oppose GMOs partly because it makes sense that they would pose a threat or they want to be part of something. Plus, when you think of GMO, you think of contamination and we are immediately programmed to repulse such things. You can't win. They want us to create something groundbreaking to change humankind. Farmers and gardeners have been mixing and creating crops. We just finessed it. And the farmers themselves are asking for governments to help introduce this technique faster because the traditional breeding techniques are taking decades. And while everybody wants to do what they hear is the right thing, they could be doing themselves more harm than good in the long term. So what can be done to combat these myths? So while awareness is everything, timing is even more important. Now they are beginning to tackle scientific misconceptions from a younger age. Many people leave school before they even get into science. It comes down to education and emphasizing the benefits of the current and future GM applications, but earlier in the curriculum or earlier in the school years, educate them on improved soil structures because herbicide-resistant crops require less or no tilling, higher income for farmers in developing countries, reduce vitamin A deficiency, virus and drought resistance, just to name a few. It's all about timing and introducing and highlighting these benefits earlier. So I suppose a big question, what does the future look like? For me, the future looks bright, but delayed. Anti-GMOs may or may not be around. It's a work in progress. Modifications don't always work like there was this one GMO soybean strain that farmers had to use more herbicide. But that's where we need to be allowed to study and get it right. We have the new technique CRISPR which is easier, cheaper and better targeting. Its applications are so vast it'll be a while until we could use it against cancer and other medical conditions. Yet I don't think we can genuinely foresee like our ancestors. They wouldn't have ever imagined what we are up to now. And I imagine there could be some backlash with that new technique you mentioned, CRISPR. The anti-GMOs are not behind. They have started labeling it as GMO 2.0. New Zealand outright said no, but their people are calling for the country to review their two decades ban on GMOs. 
they are more open to it now. It's sad that this happened because New Zealand has been a powerhouse for agricultural innovation. Well, used to. At the end of the day, organic food is not a bad option, neither are GMOs. But consumers should make their food choices based on science, not hearsay. Um, many myths still persist about the risk of GMOs and the benefits of organic foods. I think one thing is still very clear, that eating fruits and vegetables and making those uh, healthy choices is an important thing, no matter if they're organic or GMO. Yeah, the climate is also changing faster than our ability to adapt and provide. We have grown to eat way more than our ancestors. So it's either we adapt or we eat less or provide through GMOs. GMOs have saved us many times. Recently, the papayas in Hawaii, they were wiped out by the ring spot virus, but the GMO variety saved the industry. It was able to survive. There might be a time when non-GMO crops will not be enough and will not be able to grow if global warming continues. The UN predicts that by 2050, humans will need to produce 70% more food than we currently do to adequately feed the global population. Considering our counterproductive effect on the environment, things look grim without GMOs. Oh, absolutely. And I think right now we're actually seeing some of this fallout with, uh, in the UK, the vegetables such as tomatoes and cucumbers are not um, readily available due to agricultural impacts in Spain. So I think this is a very timely uh, conversation. So do you have any further advice? So we are here. We can't go back to normal labeling, but I think Organic should focus on organic and GMO focus on GMO. Make the label and regulation accessible. The focus should be on bigger picture, the poor, the environment, consumer education, and preserving that choice, not a battle against agricultural innovation. So if I want a GMO but organic tomato or someone else wants a GMO and pesticide loaded one, they can. Um, these labels and guarantees, there's still a percentage chance you get pesticides in your organic labeled food. I'd like to thank Dr. Sammy for joining us today. If you would like to have a read on your own, don't just take our word. There's a reading list below. And as always, thanks for listening. And also, if you want to enjoy this ad-free, subscribe or get the public app subscription that includes this and much more. It summarizes scientific publications in audio and text, so you can listen on the go, in the lab, etc. And currently, there are over 100 papers to choose from on various topics. Now, it's stuff you usually would or wouldn't listen to, but it does help fulfill that essential need to read in academia.